Mindfulness Mode 284. Who wouldn't want a better brain? Who wouldn't want to be sharper, quicker, more productive, and less forgetful? Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining today. I'm hoping your start into 2018 has been positive and you've had some time to relax and be mindful. If you're new here, thanks for joining us here on the Mindfulness Mode podcast. Last time on the show, I talked with Robert Kendall, who talked about challenges we have as males and our grip on our sexuality. If you'd like to learn more, check out that episode at mindfulnessmode.com slash 283. Well, before Christmas, I mentioned I was using some essential oils and they were really helping me to concentrate and focus. And I'm not forgetting, I'm going to get back to you about those oils and how you can get a hold of them, but I don't have the details yet, so I apologize for that. Before Christmas, I also mentioned about my friend JJ Flazane's upcoming event in January. They only have 10 tickets left, so I wanted to mention it today. It's in Los Angeles, and it happens January 12th to the 14th, 2018, so you've still got time to register. Oh, and if you can't attend live, you can buy virtual tickets. So that's a real bonus. January is usually the time for New Year's resolutions, and it's a time when we focus on the physical aspects of health, of weight loss, and living better. Well, what I say is, why not also address the deeper emotional and mental aspects that underline all of your choices every day about exercise and and eating? The problem with New Year's resolutions is that truly committing yourself in the way you want can be tough because, you know, we have all these blocks holding us back that we can't even see. JJ's event is a perfect way to release some of these blocks. It's called Releasing What Weighs You Down. What a great name. You'll use a mind-body-soul approach to learn and experience techniques that address the state of your mind, body, and soul all at the same time. You can sign up and learn more about the event at mindfulnessmode.com slash JJ2018. So check it out. Yeah, just go to the website, mindfulnessmode.com slash JJ2018. And, you know, give yourself that gift. Sign up for that event and make it happen. I think you'll be truly happy that you did. Today, I'm bringing you an expert on the brain. He's also a heart expert and started studying the brain and learning more about the brain when he realized that the brain and the heart are closely connected. This is an interview I've been looking forward to for a long time. It's about how we can deal with insulin resistance and keep our brains sharp and healthy even as we get older. His new book, The Better Brain Solution, is wonderful. It's easy to understand. He uses stories and analogies that make it practical for anyone. I truly appreciate Dr. Masley, and I think you will too. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode about mindfulness and the brain. Mindful Tribe, you are going to enjoy tremendous benefits from today's episode. I'm so honored to have 
Dr. Stephen Masley join me today. Hey, Dr. Masley, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am, and I'm really glad to be here with you today. Thank you. Dr. Stephen Masley motivates people to become healthier, starting with heart and brain health. He's a physician, nutritionist, best-selling author, and he's also a chef. He is the creator of the number one health program for public television called 30 Days to a Younger Heart. Dr. Masley has recently written The Better Brain Solution, which is the first book to show how the brain can become insulin resistant through diet and lifestyle, and to make clear how and why this has been directly linked to cognitive decline and memory loss. And we certainly don't want to have to deal with cognitive decline as we get older, but sadly, so many people do. Stephen, what does mindfulness mean to you? It's being focused. It's being aware. It's it's also calmness. So to me, it has actually it speaks to me in many ways. That when I'm mindful, I make better choices. I'm more conscious. I enjoy what I'm doing in my life. And so mindfulness is a for me. It's truly a state of mind where I'm calm, I'm purposeful, and making the right decisions. And it's so easy to make the right decisions when I'm being mindful. Well, you know, it's important to make the right decisions, and especially when it comes to the food we eat. And in your book, you talk about, you know, we would be so much more healthy if we would eat a Mediterranean diet. And you have really laid it out very easily for us to understand what that is and how to do it. When did you first start realizing that diet was so closely connected to brain health as well as heart health? Well, in my clinic, for over 15 years, we've analyzed how people age. We do 100 measures of aging, and we look at nutrition and fitness and nutrient intake and measures of stress, and we track, are you growing plaque in your arteries? Is your brain processing speed? How is your memory? So we have actually been able to publish several studies showing that our, what things predict if you're growing plaque in your arteries or shrinking it what things predict if your memory's getting better and your brain processing speed is improving or it's in decline. So we've published those. We've now done randomized trials and we've showed that when people follow our program, um, five easy steps, they can shrink plaque, they can improve their brain speed, they can improve their memory, they improve their quality of life. And I think um, being mindful about the choices we make is an essential component for each of those five steps. Yeah, it sure is. And, you know, a lot of us don't think about blood sugar as being an issue unless we've been diagnosed as, di you know, diabetic. Right. And so let's talk about sugar, blood sugar, and why that's so important for okay. us to be concerned. So, I mean, what, 9% of the population has diabetes, which is a serious problem. You know, it puts you at risk for heart disease, memory loss, death. But 50% of baby boomers and 30% of all adults have prediabetes, um, what we might better call insulin resistance. And to, let me explain that in a way so it's clear. Insulin's the hormone that pushes energy into our cells. So when we eat something like sugar or bread or rice or pasta, our sugar surges, the insulin goes up and tries to push it into the cell to store as energy. 
And if we worked out for, you know, an hour every day and we only ate healthy food, that would be a really nice balance. The problem is if we eat too many refined carbs and we don't exercise enough, the cell becomes full of energy and it stops listening to insulin. And when it stops insulin it listening, it becomes resistant. We call that insulin resistant, more energy stored than we can push in there anymore. Here's the problem. While we're, while we're insulin resistant, we're gaining weight, we're getting fat, um, but our brain cells are unable to use the energy. So let me give you an example. You seem bright and sharp. If I was to give you a problem to solve and we gave you a PET scan, we measured the blood sugar utilization by your brain cells, I would expect your brain to look up like light up like a Christmas tree. If you had insulin resistance, it would be dead. It would be dark. It would look like nothing's happening because when your sugar is high in your brain cells, it turns the brain function off. Wow. You can't burn energy as fuel. You have cognitive dysfunction. And over time, if it's just a few days, okay, you might have brain fog. But if it persists, you have cognitive decline, your brain cells start to die, and your brain literally starts to shrink especially the memory center of the brain. So we're seeing, and it's going up rapidly because I said 50% of baby boomers, 30% of adults, this is really common. So more and more people are eating more and more refined carbs. It's getting to be a bigger problem. The rate of Alzheimer's disease projected to double, 200% increase in just the next 12 years. It's already the most expensive disease in the US today. We can't afford for it to double. We've got to stop this financially as a nation from a public health perspective. It's disaster. Um, so the good news is I really think we can stop most cognitive decline. And at the same time, we can make people mentally sharper, quicker and more productive. Well, I think we can too. And it's very exciting when you read your book because you point out all the different ways we can. But when you walk into a grocery store and you're really aware of all this, you realize it seems like 70 to 80% of the products are processed or they're laden with sugars. These are not the things we should be eating. What can we do to change that? Well, it's simple tools. It's like, I have a better brain shopping list. It's about focusing on and being mindful of when I go to the grocery store, what are the 12 foods that I should buy each time? What are the 12 foods I need to avoid? You know? And I love that, that you've, you've named the 12 smart foods and you've made it very clear what those foods are and that we need to eat them every day. Let's talk about some of those foods. Well, I mean, like green leafy vegetables. People who eat one cup of green leafy vegetables a day, their brain is 11 years younger than if people don't. 11 years is a lot. It's a lot. It's all those nutrients, all that plant pigment. And there are other pigments too. It's not just the green leafy. Beets are great for your brain. You know, they increase blood flow to your brain. All the colorful vegetables and fruits are great for your brain. But berries and cherries have really powerful benefit too. So does cocoa and dark chocolate. Not milk chocolate, but dark chocolate. So does green tea. Um, you know, so all these plant foods with pigment are, if I had three categories, one of them would be plant pigments, like green leafies and vegetables and berries, uh, you know, um, teas. Those are really good for us. When we eat those daily, we actually, not only do we slow cognitive decline, we improve our brain function. 
Yeah, we really do. One of the things that's interesting is that red wine is on the list. Now, red wine is a good thing in limited quantities, but what about other forms of alcohol? Well, sad to say, hard liquor and beer had no benefit. Right. And red wine's only beneficial for your brain in moderation. So, I mean, there's some people who, I mean, that's part of being mindful, right? Yes, it is. You have one glass, not more than two. And if you find yourself having three, four or five, I mean, who are we kidding? Yeah. That's not, that's clearly harmful. We could, in science, we call it like a J-shaped curve. If a little bit is good, it's good. More is worse. It, you know, has a worsening effect. So yeah. one or two servings with dinner. Yes, that's good for you. I'm um, not more than that. Well, you've got on your list herbs and uh, spices. What are some of the best ones that we should consume? Well, some of the best spices, they're very anti-inflammatory. And the ones that really protect your brain are like Italian spices. So I love that Italian herb seeding. I use it in the kitchen all the time. Rosemary is probably the best data point for of the Italian herbs. But curry spices like turmeric is also really powerful. So um, many of the you know, garlic and ginger and, um, you know, many of these, they're fantastic. But I'd say the two big categories we should use more often to protect our brain and lower inflammation would be Italian herb seasoning and all those different, you know, the basil and thyme and oregano and rosemary, and then also the um, curry spices. And it's interesting to note that you say we should consume beans every day. And beans are a great protein. They're a great thing to consume. But every day we need to consume beans, right? It's little bits. You know, the sad reality is a lot of people when they eat beans, it's like once a month or twice a month, they have two bowls of chili, right? And then they get expelled to sleep on the couch. (laughs) No, the benefit of beans is having little bits, you know, a quarter cup every day, black beans, chili beans, red beans, garbanzos, and lentils, any of them. They really help control blood sugar. So you don't get that sugar spike that causes insulin resistance and they block oxidation, that rusting that actually happens inside of us all the time. And what I found fascinating was that it always says soak the beans before you cook them. Soak them overnight if you're cooking raw beans. And it tells why in your book. Can you explain that? Well, beans have lectins. Lectins, like if you just buy processed beans, they probably didn't soak them. They didn't take in much process to it. They have the lectins and that's what makes people really gassy. So we say sprouting. You don't have to wait till the brain has a sprout growing out of it, but just by soaking them overnight and then rinsing them and soaking them during the day and cooking them that evening, so like two soaks, that's enough to chemically change the bean. The bean actually starts breaking the lectins down, digesting it as a nutrient. You don't have a sprout coming out yet, but you've initiated the biochemical process the lectin content drops and you it's much you know beans make you a lot less gassy if you do that right that's that's fascinating and number 12 on your list is fermented foods and i find that interesting because i don't think i eat very many fermented foods what do they do for us well they nourish our gut you know we have trillions of bacteria and microbes in our gut and they detoxify they remove chemicals they help produce nutrients like vitamin B12. Bacteria can help produce it and make it. Uh, They lower inflammation. I mean, the biggest source of inflammation in the body, which can be harmful to the brain, is inflammation. So a healthy gut prevents that. So we want to nourish our gut with probiotic bacteria. 
I'm what sure. are some of the best forms of fermented foods for us to eat? Well, if you tolerate dairy, it could be kefir or yogurt. And if you don't tolerate dairy, um, dairy you're looking at sauerkraut, miso, um, kimchi, other fermented foods that have been used for a thousand years in people's diets. Right, um, right. Well, you know, I find it interesting that, that you kind of put this together very clearly that, you know, if we have these factors in our life, like limited activity, low-fat diet, which we can talk about in a minute, poor nutrient intake, and high stress, all of those things combined, that can equal depression. Yeah. And we've got a major problem with depression. Well, it does make you depressed. I mean, your brain requires, you know, depression means depressed biochemical brain activity. And exercise speeds up the biochemical activity. Nutrients are are essential for brain activity. Um, the foods we eat nourish the brain and keep it going. So if we don't eat well, we don't meet our nutrient needs, we're stressed out, our cortisol levels are high, we're not active. One, we get depressed. And if you have depression, that increases your risk for memory loss and disability by 300%. That's a lot. That is a lot. And for years, we've been hearing that we need to reduce fat, reduce fat, reduce fat. And now, of course, we know yeah. that our brain needs the right kinds of fats. Let's talk about that. Yes, there are some fats we should reduce because there's some fats that are toxic. Right. Trans fat, hydrogenated fat. Um, you know, we need omega-3 to omega-6 proper ratios, but there are smart fats that we can add. And, you know, we've shown when we put someone on a low-fat diet, they tend to have cognitive decline and their memory loss worsens. And when we randomize people to a low-fat diet or a diet with extra olive oil or a diet with extra nuts, those getting extra olive oil and extra nuts had better cognitive scores and less cognitive decline. I mean, yes, we want smart fat. Our brain is mostly fat by weight. And the omega-3, so olive oil, nuts, avocado. I love cooking with avocado oil. And we also need those long-chain omega-3s that we get from seafood. And I love the detail you went into about oils and olive oils and extra virgin compared to regular virgin, regular olive oil. Can you tell us about that? Well, extra virgin is the first press. It's pure, it's clean. As they keep squishing the olives, they want to get more oil, right? So okay. they heat it, which damages the oil. They put chemicals in it to pull more oil out, and it becomes very processed and very commercial. So what you really want is extra virgin olive oil, and it's an awesome oil. It tastes fantastic. Just don't cook with it at high heat because it's very delicate. Use a different oil to cook with, and then... Reduce the heat to simmer or turn it off and then add the extra virgin olive oil or use your extra virgin olive oil as a salad dressing. Right. Yeah, I like to do that. Yeah. So that's the, you know, one of the easier ways. I cook with avocado oil and then I put extra virgin olive oil on my salads. But if I want a dish to taste like extra virgin olive oil, I'll cook with avocado oil and then reduce it to simmer and then sprinkle on a little extra virgin olive oil at the end when the Temperature's low, and I'm not going to damage the oil. 
Right. Good suggestion. Well, I like the analogies you use in your book because you've written your book. It's very scientific. It's It has so many references that make you realize that this is scientific based, but at the same time, it's easy to follow, easy to understand. And one of the, anal- uh, one of the uh, analogies that I like is you said, if your brain is the target and your genes are the gun, your lifestyle is the trigger. It is. Absolutely. And so yeah, we could so be at important. risk, but I would say genetics only plays t- at most 10 to 15 to 20% of the impact. Lifestyle is 80 plus percent of the, whether we have memory loss or not. The choices we make are really the most powerful factor. Yes, our genes can put us at risk for diabetes, but we can prevent diabetes if we choose the right lifestyle. Right. And and even if we start to have some cognitive problems and we're not remembering things, we start to notice we're not processing things the way we were, we can reverse that by following your better brain solution. Is that right? That's absolutely true that we've done in our trials. We noticed that our average patient had a 25 to 30% improvement in brain processing speed. It's almost like someone gave them a faster computer and said, go get more work done because they were, they were able to honestly. So yes, when you make the right changes, not only can you prevent memory loss, but within a few days to weeks, you're already noticing brain improvement right off the bat. So yeah, we do want to prevent memory loss. No doubt about it. It's a national crisis, but who wouldn't want a better brain? Who wouldn't want to be sharper, quicker, more productive, and less forgetful. I agree. And you talk about the brain functions and you talk about executive function. There's memory loss and then there's executive function. Let's talk about that. Well, executive function is processing material. It's problem solving. It's multitasking and jumping from one project to another. It's getting work done. So if you just had a great memory, but you lost executive function, You could remember people's names, but you wouldn't get anything accomplished. You wouldn't be able to write a paper or a a sheet or an outline. Um, So our ability to think, process information, and make decisions, that's executive function. And I think really that's the biggest area of improvement we saw. So specifically executive function went up 25 to 30% when we had people add the right foods, meet their nutrient needs, take steps to manage their stress, add activity. Wow. I mean, and when you put it all together, all of those together, it's synergistic. It's far more effective than if you just made one little change at a time. Right. And not only do you talk about the 12 smart foods, but you outline the seven things to avoid, which are toxins to us. The first one, tobacco. And we all, I think we all know to avoid yeah, everybody that. Everybody knows we shouldn't smoke. I mean, that's exactly. pretty clear. That's very clear. But some of them on there, like number three, is one that many thousands and thousands of people consume. They consume, you know, meats from the deli and some of these things and hot dogs and different things. And we, for the most part, people have no idea that it's containing a toxic chemical. Well, for years, we, I think we've known that eating sandwich meats and, you know, processed meats and the nitrosamines, the chemicals they put on them to extend the shelf life. Those have known for some time they increase your cancer risk. So 
people shouldn't be surprised if their cancer risk goes up with that. What's new is one, they make blood sugar levels go up, so they cause insulin resistance. And two, the most recent studies show they're neurotoxic. That if we give rodents and animals the amount of nitrosamine people would get just from eating bacon every day, they can literally cause themselves Alzheimer's disease. So the key is if you're going to eat processed meats, they should be organic, nitrosamine free. We don't want dirty processed meats. They should be clean. So, and that's not that hard to do. You can buy bacon or other foods that haven't had nitrosamines. They won't last as long in your fridge. You'll have to eat them. Right. <laughs> that's not, that's a lot better than getting Alzheimer's disease from eating stuff that's been tainted with all these chemicals that we can give us cancer as well. So we really shouldn't. I mean, so there's an example of a toxin that's, you can avoid it. It's not hard to avoid it. You just need to know where it's found and what your alternative choices are. Well, another thing on your list is mercury. And I know, Stephen, everybody knows we should not be exposed to mercury. We do not want to have mercury in our body, but sadly, a lot of us do. And you tell us what kinds of foods to eat to avoid mercury. Well, we want seafood that has long chain omega-3s, whether it's seaweed or shellfish like mussels or oysters or wild salmon or sardines. But the big mouth fish, the bigger the mouth of the fish, the higher it is on the food chain. So tuna, grouper, snapper, bass, swordfish, very high in the food chain. They eat a lot of big fish and they have very high mercury levels, especially if they're long-lived fish and they're big. So yeah, a third of my patients have elevated mercury. And we've published data showing that elevated mercury can impact um, complex information processing, how we process information. We don't wanna ruin our information processing. We want it to be excellent. So once again, there's toxins out there that we can avoid, foods we could choose to eat instead of them. And it makes a big difference in our brain. Well, it does. And, and of course, our brain requires us to move and, and to have exercise and have activity as part of our life. You, you talk about that in the book as well. Well, yeah. I mean, both aerobic activity, movement, and strength training, they're both beneficial for our brain. They both improve insulin sensitivity. In other words, they block insulin resistance. They both get the brain's blood supply going. Um, so and they both stimulate and literally when even it's never too late. Even 80 year olds who've had an exercise program compared to those who stayed inactive, the 80 year olds who got more active, their brain actually grew. The memory center, the hippocampus got larger, and in the, in the control group with no activity, their brains just kept shrinking. We don't want shrunken brains. We do not want that. We do not want that. But one of the things you point out is that, you know, you can't just grab one idea and go with it, that we need to use a combination. We need to follow as much of this advice as we possibly can with the food list and the exercise. And, and we need to implement a new lifestyle. How can we do that? Well, and that's part of being mindful. One is just to say, I want a better life. I'm going to choose. I'm going to, and I'm trying to make it easy as possible. You know, the whole point behind the program is to make it easy. I take them by the hand to ensure that people can make the right choices. 
And when you put them, they, well, here's what we, in the past, scientists said, if you ask them to do several things at once, it's too complicated and they can't do it. But the fact is, in these studies like mine, where we add, add food, add activity, meet your nutrient needs, manage your stress, avoid toxins, you feel so much better, it's easy to do. So the data from these multi-interventions actually turns out to be much, not just more effective, but easier to follow because your quality of life improves. And just be more mindful about our choices really matter in improving our quality of life and our productivity and function too. Yeah, and I think it does help if you start with one or two things and then move with another one and another one and another one and not yes. try to do it all at once. I know about three or four years ago, I I decided to uh, give up processed sugars, and that was a big step. And then well, I've moved huge. with others. That is huge because that's something that is causing amazing problems with so many people like you've described. You know, it's it's incredible. So you've made it easy. All we have to do is get the book, read it, you know, take your time with it, digest it. And there's I've so even got many. a copy here. I'll show it so they know what it looks awesome. Like. And I've got a copy and my copy looks very different than yours because mine is the yeah, working well, you got copy. The galley copy. This is the new published one that's just coming and out. It looks great. You got the advanced galley from the publisher. Right. It is a terrific book. It really is. I want to move forward and ask you a question about something quite different, although okay. it may be related. But uh, I want to ask you, Stephen, were you ever bullied? Do you have a bullying story? Maybe even as as a doctor, you know, you're trying to get these ideas across and not everybody agrees with all of it. And you may have run in with to some challenges there. Oh, I got bullied as a kid. I got beaten up. I got kicked around. It was not pleasant. I mean, really, I can completely sympathize with anybody who's been bullied before. And part of it was just being susceptible. It wasn't being mm. mindful. It wasn't being confident. It wasn't moving with purpose. And, you know, predators picked on me. So, you know, I do I know what it's like to be bullied? Sadly, yes. Um, I think we got to stop that. I think the food industry is bullying the American population today, making money off of them and killing them. So I think we got to stand up to that kind of bullying and be mindful and make right choices and not let that happen. And certainly it's happening to our children. You know, I would say the whole food industry, honestly, is bullying our kids today, too. And, you know, so when I think about it in the context of what it was like to literally be beaten up as a kid and now realize what we're doing to other children, too, I mean, that really gets me going, gets oh, me annoyed. It gets so me going, too. I think too. it's time for us to stand up and put a stop to bullying. But it's also time to stand up and be mindful about our food choices and not let people feed our kids junk and not and us too. We have to be responsible for ourselves to stop eating sugary junk, to getting food with toxins. We got a demand for a clean world to live in so we can thrive and feel fantastic and be more productive. Now, one of the things you address in the book is also sleep. How is sleep related to all of this? Well, I think a lot of people know that if they don't get enough sleep, they're exhausted. You know, yes. they don't function clearly. It's like your computer's got too many programs open and it needs to turn off and shut down. And literally, when we sleep, we do process our memory. We do speed our brain up. I mean, to me, sleep is, in some ways, I would lump it in with stress management. 
if we if we're burning the candle at both ends, staying up all night, not only are we more mentally sluggish, but our cortisol goes up. And when your cortisol goes up, it you lose bone mass, muscle mass, your blood sugar goes up, but it shrink again another factor that shrinks the brain. So critical to help manage our stress is to get enough sleep. So we're rested to get a workout. So we you get rid of some toxins with our sweat, but we also burn off tension. And I really like to see people do like 10, you know, even two minutes, but up to 10, you know, preferably 10 minutes of meditation and peace and calm time each day, you know, so sleep, a workout, meditation, proactively manage the stress in our life. That's really the fifth component um, you know, the fifth step here to make a difference and to transform our lives. Yeah. What does meditation look like in your life, Stephen? <sighs> so it's that state of being calm, coherent, and focused. I, you know, I'll notice that when I see patients, if they're not focused, so we actually measure, I look at heart math. It's a brain wave, heart rate variability, and we look at are people relaxed and calm and focused um, in a meditative-like state? And when they're not able to get there, and I test their cognitive function, they really have trouble focusing. They're like they're, they have more errors. They're processing information improperly. So, and when I help them learn to get more calm, focused, coherent, their their speed improves. They stop making errors. They pay better attention. So I think from a professional, you know, any on a personal level, yes, absolutely, we should all be more focused. And but from a, from a working executive coherent state, it's essential if people want to be highly productive, get a lot of work down, and communicate well with their coworkers. Yeah, for sure, Stephen. As we approach the end of the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And okay. the first one is this: Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness in your life? I think my stepfather Chuck. He had a procedure. He had a massive stroke. I learned right up front what dementia was, and it wasn't necessary. He didn't need it. I mean, if I'm, you know, I feel badly to this day that I didn't do more for him earlier on, but. We learn from that and we move on. He clearly influenced my life. He was the person that said, don't let this happen to others. Yeah, and you talked about him in your book. Yeah. Um, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? It's calming. It feels like love and stability in my life when I'm more mindful. And when I'm not, I tend to feel anxious and depressed. I'd much rather feel loved and focused than anxious and depressed. That's the lack of mindfulness is anxiety. Yeah, for sure. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Well, I like taking a deep breath and filling myself with spirit. I even like to, after when I stretch after a workout in the morning, feel, I take a deep breath, it pours, I feel like green energy pours into my body when I'm taking a deep breath. And when I blow out, I'm just blowing out tension. And I use my breath to help me in that kind of meditative processing way of being more calm and focused. So breath to me is like breathing in spirit. It's a wonderful entity. Right. Well, your book, The Better Brain Solution, is a fantastic book because it has so much about mindfulness, but so much about lifestyle and how we can improve our lives. But what other book would you recommend which is related to the topic of mindfulness? 
Oh, there's, well, I've had a, um, Susan Alberes has written a, a book on mindful eating. I really appreciated, you know, the whole thought of it's not what we eat. It's how we prepare to eat. Are we sitting? Are we calm? Are we tasting our food? I mean, that would be another really wonderful um, option that I really appreciate. Right. And yeah, just being truly mindful as we're eating. Absolutely. Can you share an app which helps you to be more more mindful? Well, HeartMath, the one I use for my patients, I ask them, you know, if I, if I find that when we do a test and we measure their ability to get calm and meditate, if they're struggling, I want to make it easy for them. So it gives them feedback, you know, a tool they can use to get feedback on how can they get more mindful and more coherent. Yeah, and heart math is a great tool, that's for sure. How can we connect with you, Dr. Masley? You could visit drmasley.com. So I've got a weekly blog I send out to on my list. And then if you go there to drmasley.com, D-R-M-A-S-L-E-Y.com, I'll share, I've got a my um, quiz. So how's your brain doing? Take the brain quiz one minute and you can get a score and no matter what your score i can help make your brain better and for taking that i mean as a bonus i give you my better brain shopping guide the 12 foods you want to add the 12 foods to avoid to make it easy for you to be mindful about the choices you make starting today so drmasley.com is a great way to pick up free information and uh, move forward to a better life yeah, and it's it's great because it's made simple, it's made easy. So I'm just going to reiterate it. It's drmasley.com, D-R-M-A-S-L-E-Y.com. So very, very easy to find. And uh, I encourage you, Mindful Tribe, to check that out because... It's truly making a difference for thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and it will, because that's what we need, is to make a change and make a difference. So let's make it happen. Thank you so much for the opportunity to get to speak with your group today, and I've really enjoyed speaking with you, so I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. You have a great rest of your day, Dr. Masley. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or episode number into the search bar. Oh, don't forget to check out J.J. Flazane's event coming up in L.A., Releasing What Weighs You Down. Check it out at mindfulnessmode.com slash JJ2018. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen. Maybe it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever. Hit subscribe and share. Subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Subscribe and share, share, share. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.